And not all topics are comfortable topics, but we have to get uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. So a lot of the subjects that we will present on this show um, are going to bring out a lot of transparency within within us. So um, this transparency is going to, it's going to strike a nerve. Yes, good nerve, bad nerve, Mm -hmm. just nerve period. (laughs) We may get Mm -hmm. on your nerves, okay? Right. But we love you, and that's what we're here for. We're here to help educate and bring back that communication between men and women, bridge that gap so that we all can basically grow together. So tonight's topic is coping with death. As I said, it's not an easy topic, but we do need to address some questions and and things in regards to it. So to help us get through that, we uh, do have two guests. Um, Our first guest this evening will be Steve Burlack, and then um, after him, we're going to have Dr. Tamara Turner, and then at 9 o'clock, we will have our group discussion. So if you are um, interested in chiming in, Tasha, what do they have to do? Well, you need to dial 515, option 1, to let us know that you want to make a statement, or you have a question, or that you just want to speak on the air. <laughs> yes. So that'll that. let us know that you're in the queue and we can yes. come and greet you and bring you on in. Yeah, so you can play with the grown folks in the sandbox. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I also have a bonus for you guys. If you are on the website simplybree.com and you actually want to be interactive with us as well, you can go ahead and type in the chat box. We have a chat box in order to get to the chat, chat box, chat, what chat, we're going to do. Chat, 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 oh, chat, sorry. Chat. Wait a minute. That's not a song. Um, and I joined you. Um, what you're going to do is at the top, you're going to click the um, link that says shows, and you will click on the truth serum. That's going to take you to the truth serum page. And you just scroll down to the very bottom, and you will see the chat box. Now, as I said in my promo video, in case you guys didn't see it, Please chat responsibly. Do not give anyone your personal information if you do not know them. I, Simply Bree, am not responsible for you. Uh, He said what radio network is not responsible for you, and nor is Tasha. So we're all grown. Let's let's act like we're grown. Now, if you would like to advertise on the, the network, did he just... I don't know. Tasha, maybe. Did you? You just heard him clear his throat, right? I don't know. Maybe. We're going to get you I'm going to forgive it. Now, that's an old, now, that is an old song. <laughs> that is a song. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> I will forgive it. Look, I will forgive it. I will look past it. That he is like, the song. He's like, I'm just saying. He, he really did. He said, I'm he said just saying. He's like, okay, really quickly, if you're interested in advertising on the show, go ahead and send us an email at ads at simplybree.com, and we will get more information to you. I guess we can go ahead and welcome our first (laughs) guest. His name is Steve Burlack. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Sabrina Tasha. Oh, I'm a kid. Sabrina Tasha, how are y'all? I'm about to mute it. Simply Bree is Bree. 
It's Bree. Oh, I'm glad I got I'm so sorry. Did I call your government name? I am so sorry. I called the government name. I'm so sorry, Bree. My bad. My bad, Bree. I am so sorry. We forget. You can't let people know the government name, so you should have let me know. I should have let you know the government name. Now, okay. Now we have established that. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. How are you ladies doing tonight? Yeah. Great. I'm awesome. Yeah. Yay. 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 I'm just here. I'm just I'm just I'm here. here. <laughs> so now you actually with tonight's topic, you if I'm not mistaken, you had informed me that you just recently wrote a book in regards to the same topic. Is that correct? Well, I wrote a book uh, called Broadcast Your Inner Champion. Um, I, I actually am the creator and the facilitator of a personal development series called Broadcast Your Inner Champion. Um, and so it's designed to move you through self-awareness, connection, and impact, right? And the book uh, was the catalyst for that. So part of the book, what I wrote in it, um, in, the, um, in the spiritual connection chapter, uh, was mm-hmm. what happens when we die. Um, And I wrote that based on research that I did um, surrounding people that had near-death experiences and how they Mm. dealt with that. Um, And what was fascinating about it was that the the first thing I took from it was that no matter where people are, no matter what culture they're in, no matter what language they speak, um, no matter where in the world they are, their their near-death experiences were very much the same. They all experienced very much the same thing. Um, wow. And for them, it was just it was this feeling of coming home and being surrounded by love. Yeah. Um, and so that was very informative because it really speaks to uh, the fact that we're we're connected in so many ways and there's so much more to our life beyond what we do here on earth. And so um, it gives you some context on how to deal right. with that. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that also that also sounds very comforting. You know, yeah. you know that yeah. you're like when yeah. you transition, that you're greeted by love and warmth. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, why do you feel a, a lot of people are uncomfortable even talking about death or planning? You know what happens when they pass, um, as far as their personal belongings, their family. Why do you think that makes people uncomfortable? Because it's the unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. People people generally are, are terrified of the unknown. They, they don't like what they don't know. I mean, that's, that's just a general phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, you know, people that die, they don't get to come back and tell us, hey, this is what I experienced. This is what you know will happen. And because it's so unknown, um, you know, people become afraid of what will happen when they transition. And um, and so that what I talk to people about is that, um, uh, you know, again, that's why faith for me is so important. Now, notice I said mm-hmm. faith and not religion. Those are, those are two right. different things. Um, but faith um, and, and belief in what's to come really gives you context. Um, also, mm-hmm. when people are dealing with death, the, the first thing that a lot of people don't recognize is that they are grieving. Um, and mm-hmm. even if they don't, even if they're not conscious of it, and see, that's really the, that's really the interesting th- thought thing about the grief process 
is that even if you're not conscious of the fact that you're grieving, and it could be years after someone Mm -hmm. passes, you may still be going through the grief process. Um, And so just that alone can make you uncomfortable with talking about death because you're grieving when you do it. I mean, the first step in the grief process is denial, at least in the old five, the five-step grief process. Denial mm-hmm. is the first step, um, followed by anger. And so, you know, just right there, you're dealing with two different mindsets that are uncomfortable to begin with. And so people who really are uncomfortable talking about death or, or don't know how to cope with it. Right. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask that you started giving the two um, – Forms of grief, I guess that's what they would be considered. <laughs> yeah, it's the grief um, process. So those two are the first steps, actually, in the process. Okay. So how many steps are they? Are there, and what are there? Well, originally there were five steps, although they've done some recent research in which they've actually added two more, and there's actually even others. You know, again, we're talking about psychology, right? We're talking about, you know, uh, the mind. And so there's different theories about it. The most accepted is five steps. And the first is denial, right? Uh, this can't be true, right? This isn't happening. I, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Um, the, the first time I really dealt with death was when my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, passed. And she and I were very, very close. Um, and I actually um, – I found out that she died when I was playing in high school, my football game in high school. And Mm. someone called, someone called the phone at the field house right next to the, to the football field. So I knew something was going on and my mom was on the line and told me that my grandmother passed. So my grand, my, my coach asked me, you know, when I told him what happened, he said, well, you know, do you want to sit down? You want to just, you know, come out of the game? And I said, no, I want to play. I want to play. And, you know, I was 17 years old. If you had asked me at that point why I played when my grandmother, who I was very close with, just died, I would have told you, well, you know, I just want to play. I love playing. And, you know, I can't do anything anyway. What I didn't realize, of course, until later is that I was in denial. Right? Mm-hmm. Playing the game gave me, the, gave me an opportunity to take a step back, you know, and go through the whole, it's not true, right? It can't be happening, right? It, it's got to be a mistake. It gave me the opportunity to step back. That's what denial is. Um, right. The next step after that is anger. Um, and the funny thing about anger is that, you know, when you're going through that process, you can be angry at anyone. You can be angry at the person who passed. You can be angry right. at yourself. Um, you can be angry at whoever gave you the news. And so that's just a natural progression. And then from there, you go to bargaining. And bargaining is where you're like, um, well, I'll turn my life around, right, if, right. If, if this could be true. Or in the case of death, it's like, well, if only I didn't take that path, right, or if only right. I had picked them up a half hour earlier, right? So you're bargaining, trying to, you know, find a way through this. And then the next step is depression. Um, mm-hmm. And we all, you know, are familiar with that and, you know, just the long-term effects of depression, you know, not being able to sleep, sleeping too much. Uh, you know, uh, not being able to focus, et cetera. And then the final step is acceptance. Where And okay. it, the, the thing about acceptance is that it doesn't mean that you're okay with someone passing. What it means is that you finally process that they have passed. You recognize right. the impact it has on you and you're able to deal with it. Um, mm. And so the other thing about that is that it's not a, it's not a one, two, three, four, five process. You can go from denial and go straight to bargaining or straight to depression and then go back to anger. You can literally hop back and forth. 
um, mm. between the different, even when you get to acceptance, you can go right back to denial or, or bargaining mm. or anger after acceptance. Um, and that's, so the thing for people to understand, what I want your listeners to understand is it's very natural to go through this process, number one. Number two, right. the process is different for every single person. So if mm-hmm. you're going through it like somebody else is it, that's okay. And know that it is okay. It's your process. Um, and you have every right to go through it um, as you need to so that you can finally get to acceptance. Um, right. Nice. Now, the interesting thing about the new, the newer concepts is that uh-huh. there, there are two new stages that were added. And the thing that really got to me, the first is shock, right, which uh-huh. kind of makes sense. But the yeah. other one that's been added is guilt. And the, the thing about guilt, and here's I, 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 the story I have about that. I actually mm-hmm. saw a car accident um, when I was coming home from work. I was uh, working in Harlem at the time in New York. And mm-hmm. I actually see this car accident right in front of me. And one car, you know, it didn't look like it was that bad an accident, right? But one car literally slides into the sidewalk, one stays in the street. There's a woman that comes out from the car on the sidewalk and she's screaming and yelling right at the other driver. And so I run to her. And the first thing I do is I try to, you know, I, I was in the army. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking for bruises, cuts. I'm looking for any damage. What can I right. do to help her? She's, she's unscathed. I look in the car and I notice that there's a passenger laying between the passenger seat and the, and the uh, console in the front. Mm-hmm. And so there's smoke in the car. I'm, I'm afraid, but I said, you know what? I got to go in. I got I to save this guy. I get on my knees in the driver's seat. I, first thing I do is I scan him. I don't see a scar on him. I don't see any blood. I see nothing. But when I get on my knees and I reach out for him, I notice that he's decapitated. Oh, no. And, oh, yeah. And I was not ready for that. I found out in the news later that it was a seven-year-old boy. And that the driver wasn't even his mother, it was his aunt, right? So needless to say, I was not ready for that. I'll spare you the details of what I actually saw, but I was not ready for that. And so I literally stepped out of the car and just stood there, right? And the cops come, you know, they speak to me, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the key to that. For the next three weeks, two things happened. One, I dreamt about that boy every night. Mm-hmm. Wow. He kept coming to me in my dreams, and he would sit up in the car, and he would beg me for help. Help me. Help me. Right? The other thing that happened was when I went back to work, I found myself talking about the accident all day long, at least three, four times. I was very fortunate that my coworkers understood that, and they, they right. allowed me that time to do that. I literally, right. I can't believe it happened. Right? I, this is what happened, and I would talk about it through the day. After about two to three weeks of that, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So I called a friend of mine who's a psychologist, and I told her what happened, and she asked me a very important question, which I would would say is really important for people to understand. Mm -hmm. She said, well, um, she said, the reason why he keeps coming to you is that you feel guilty. And I'm like, what do I feel guilty about? I didn't cause the accident. And then she asked me the most important question. She said, why did you go to the car? Oh, and I said, well, oh. I said I went to the car to help, right? I'm, I'm, what are you talking about? That's why, I, that's, that's what I do, right? And I didn't get it. I didn't understand what she was saying. So she just sat there. She didn't say anything, and then she just asked me again, "Why did you go to the car?" Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm trying to help. And then, bam, it hit me. Oh, my God, I couldn't help him. Yeah. And I literally God. felt guilty. I felt guilty because for an accident I did not cause. Because, and um, that's important for people to understand. You may go through guilt when you're dealing with a the, with the loved one. And, you know, even when it comes to family, people have some real complicated relationships with, with family members. Um, and right. guilt can be a real big issue in the grieving process. Um, and so she told me to tell him, the next time he comes to you in a dream and he asks you for help, tell him, point blank, I can't help you. I'm sorry, I can't help you. He came to me that night. I said that to him, and I never dreamt about him again. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. Oh, yes. That's yes. helpful and yes. amazing. That's very helpful yeah. to Absolutely. a lot of people, actually. Yes, yes. So, absolutely. So recognize what your process is and recognize that guilt can be a very big part of the process. Even if you haven't caused the death, um, recognize if you feel guilty and deal with it. Take, face it head on. Right, right. So we have a listener, first off, shout out to Miss Jackie. Aunt Jackie is tuned Auntie in right now. Jackie. Aunt Jackie has said, hey, Steve. Okay. <laughs> hey, Jackie. All right, now. Aunt Jackie said, um, the young boy, he came to comfort you and let you know that mm. he's all right. That's what Aunt Jackie mm. said in the chat. So now, well, I, you know, I'm, I appreciate her saying that because what was clear for me was that this was a spiritual contact, that this was, yeah. this was clearly a connection I had with this boy that went beyond our earthly physical self. That's a whole yeah. nother show. <laughs> that's a whole right. nother yeah. show. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that. Yes, right. that's a whole nother show. Yes. So uh, it's okay. So this is something interesting. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that. I, I definitely experienced it when I was, I want to say 13, when my stepfather had passed. And the interesting thing, our bond, he raised me since I was nine months old. And so mm. our bond was very tight. I was his only daughter. And, mm. you know, it was just tight. So when he passed, it was like something in my body sunk. I, I mm. and, and I was young. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it was. Mm. And minutes later, his niece showed up at my house, and she came to pick up me and my brothers. And as we're driving, I just started crying. I don't know why, mm. but I just felt like I was crying. And I heard her say to the passenger, you think she knows? And they said, well, she must have. And I, I don't even know what they're talking about. Well, come to find out where they, they were mm. taking us to the hospital where he had passed. And so mm. that bond, that connection, a lot of people can feel it when they lose a loved one. It may not make sense to them, yes. but they feel that, that sense of loss, that emptiness. It's just something where it doesn't sit right with them. So when yes. you go through those type of situations, how how can you how can someone find a way to encourage that person while they're grieving because of that connection that they had that has since been broken in a sense? Absolutely. Well, that's a great question. Brene Brown, who's one of my favorite uh, thought leaders, she actually speaks a lot about that. The key word here is empathy. 
which is different than sympathy, right? Empathy is right. the first thing you have to have when dealing with someone who is coping with the loss of a loved one. You must approach them with empathy, meaning that you have the ability to you, – you open yourself to feel what they're feeling, right? So the first thing I would say is if you're helping someone, the best thing and the most important thing you can do is be there. You, mm. and, and you don't have to try to fix it. That, that's where we tend to go wrong. Right, we try to fix the person in front of us, and when you're dealing with the grieving process, that's a natural process they have to go through on their own. You can't make them go through it faster. You can't fix what they're feeling, and so mm -hmm. when you're helping someone, the key is to just be there and be open to whatever they need from you. They may need you right. to just sit there and be silent. They may need you right. to talk to them. They may need to just talk to you. That's what I did. I talked to my coworkers. I didn't need them to say a word. And they, they were intuitive enough to know that. Um, and so the key yeah. is to, to be empathetic um, and be there for them. And the key is don't try to provide a silver lining. Well, at least they mm -hmm. lived a good long life. That's the right. last thing anybody wants to hear. Right. Nobody wants right. to hear that, right? And, and yeah. even though your intentions may be good, you can be causing more harm by bringing them through other stages of their grief process they're not ready for, right? Because right. if they're in denial right. and you start talking about, well, at least they live the wrong life, now you're dragging them out of denial into something mm -hmm. else and they're not ready for that. Right. And, yeah, and you can cause a lot of damage doing that. So just be there for folks. Just listen. Yeah. And they'll tell, oh. you, they'll tell you what they need. And they don't have to say right. it with words. They may reach their arms out to you, and you know what they need is a hug. Right. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up because that yes. leads me to this this um this one thing that it's like a pet peeve. But I realized mm -hmm. early on that everyone does it, including myself. Well, I did it in the past. When someone mm -hmm. passes away and then you know the person, say, Okay, say I know you and um like you said, your grandmother passed away and I knew her because Maybe I hung out with you, and I just just knew her, mm -hmm. not knew of her, but mm -hmm. knew her. So it is mm -hmm. it affected me that she passed, and the only thing that I can say is I'm sorry about your loss. Mm -hmm. And I just I hate that that's the go to or my condolences. So what mm -hmm. I started doing was not apologizing for the person passing, because we all I already know that they passed. It's saying, mm -hmm. if you need me to do anything, if you need someone to talk to, I'm available. I'm here if you need me. Like showing them that I'm open to whatever it is, like you said, that they need. So is there any yeah. other option that people – I mean, I, I know it's kind of ingrained in us to say I'm sorry for yeah. your loss or my condolences. Yeah. Is there anything additional or different that, or another method that we could use to show, you know – Empathy and sympathy. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it, it actually goes, there's two points that I'd like to make. And actually, my grandmother's death really taught me this lesson well. Um, the first thing I would say is outside of what you can do, understand what the grieving process really is about, right? And so when you say, I'm sorry for your loss, that actually is relatively accurate. And, and, and what I mean by that is, and again, it's, it's a standard thing to say, so I wouldn't necessarily say, say that. But one thing I learned with my grandmother 
And it's funny because I didn't talk to people about this for years. I never cried when my grandmother passed, as close as I mm-hmm. was to her for years, never cried. And um, it took years later. It, I, I actually mourned her death for five years. It turned out she actually died the day before my birthday. And so I didn't celebrate my birthday for five years. And what I realized behind that was that my grieving process wasn't for her. My faith told me that she was fine, right? She had been sick with cancer for years. And so my faith told me she was fine. I wasn't grieving because she passed. I was grieving because I missed her. My grieving was for me, not for her. And so what I would say is when you're, you know, one of the, one of the methodologies I would, use, I would say is it comes from the idea that you understand that when people grieve, they're grieving for themselves and for what they're missing. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who the, if it's a baby, they're, they're grieving for the lost possibility. You know, when a person's baby passes, they're grieving the lost possibility of this life. When an older person passes, like the grandparent, they're grieving what they used to have, Right. And mm-hmm. so, again, when you, empathy really is about silence, it's about being present, and it's about offering whatever that person indicates they need. That's really okay. it in a nutshell. If you do those three things, then you will be effective in helping the okay. person go through their grieving process. All right, great. Mm-hmm. You better come through with it, Steve. I'm I know. Just, That's hey, no. Steve. Come on, now. Come Wait, on. Here we go, Steve. You know, right. I got up and paid attention and stuff. <laughs> All right. Okay. Don't catch me in the champion. Come taking on, now. Notes, <laughs> taking notes and stuff. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Now, I, you are definitely providing a lot of great advice, and you're hitting a lot of good points that, Um, We all can actually relate to, and I'm sure that our listeners definitely appreciate it because it's a tough topic. Like, when I first came up with this topic, it was like, oh, my God, okay, wait a minute. It's going to be hard to find guests for this topic because nobody wants to talk about Mm -hmm. this. We need to talk about it. So then, you know, I hit you up about it, and you were like, oh, yes, perfect. Okay, all right, I got one person. And then I thought, and I was like, okay, well, the person who comes onto this show and discusses this topic has to be genuinely caring and nurturing and warm and soothing. They have to be able to relay information in a way where it's not feeling like they're cramming it down someone's throat but that they're just having a genuine conversation. And so I also thought of the other guest, Dr. Turner, because she was on, she was my first guest on Dear Love. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, you two are the perfect duo. So anyone who is listening right now, 515-602-9647, make sure you guys listen to this show as well as at the end, write down their information because you are going right. to want to stay in touch with them. They, yeah. These two I are the bomb. Like, I yes, need to copy that book right now. <laughs> you are going to yes. want to yes. uh, continue conversing with them. And even Dr. Turner, like, I, after, after I had her on, I was like, you know what? I, I've never really had a, a therapist, but I think I may need to come and see you sometimes because right. it's just. <laughs> It's just so soothing. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will bring Dr. Turner, 
And after Dr. Turner, we will have um, the group discussion with both Steve as well as Dr. Turner. Um, Tasha, did you have any other questions for him before we take this break? Because I know we started late. We did start late. Steve, Steve had. That was my alter ego. That was my alter ego. But I'm going going to her hold them because this will make my questions will make the show to ten o'clock instead oh, of nine thirty. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, in that case, uh, I will go ahead and ask you a question. What are some ways to help reduce the fears <clears throat> of death and dying? Oh yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. So. If you're, if you're speaking specifically to fear, right, um, now you're talking about the mind and you're talking about a mental construct. Um, you know, fear is actually a healthy, normal thing, right? Um, if, you, if, you have, if you have fear of snakes, poisonous snakes, that's not a bad thing, right? Um, when fear, fear becomes a negative when it starts to impact how you live, Right? When it starts to impede what you do and how you live. So people think of fear the wrong way. Fear is actually healthy and good, right? If I got into a room with Mike Tyson, you best believe I'm going to be afraid. And, and nope. I'm, that's going that's right. to teach me how I need to conduct myself in this ring, right? Right. Um, right. <laughs> right. But when fear actually starts to um, impede how you live, how you interact with people, then I would say the best thing to do is seek professional counseling for mm-hmm. that fear. Um, uh, again, pe- people fearing death is not unusual, and it's actually very normal because it's uh-huh. the unknown. If that fear is actually getting you to the point where you're, you don't want to live, you don't want to leave the house, you're, you're depressed all the time, then I would say seek um, professional counseling for that. <laughs> seek counseling, period. Yeah, see counseling, and you know that's a whole nother that that could be its own show right there because people have their own fears around seeking counseling, right? Because of the social constructs of it and the impact of that. I say get over all that (laughs) and help yourself because nobody's gonna help you before you do. Get over it, help yourself, go find help, and it's okay um, Mm, that you're not, you know, you're not a hundred percent. It is okay to go get help. Right, um, so, that's the important factor. Go get help. Oh, yes. Okay. It is okay. Because you're oh, sitting yeah. here talking about, I can't do that. Meanwhile, everybody else is skipping through the tulips and you're depressed. That doesn't even make sense to me. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Right. Yeah, everybody's fine. You messed up, but you can't get right. help. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to no. get help. That, you know, yeah. that's what all y'all. I'm going to get help for me. Right. Well, there's one other thing, too, that's important. You know, people talk about the money aspect of that also. Um, mm-hmm. For me as a veteran, um, uh, VA hospitals all have mental health uh, counseling, all of them. Mm-hmm. And many hospitals, many general hospitals do as well. So before mm-hmm. you even worry about the money aspect of it or anything like that, contact your local hospital because mm-hmm. either they will be, either they have a department that can help you 
or they'll be able, they have a list of resources that you can go to that will fit your time and your budget. So do not right. let anything stand in your way. Reach out to right. your local hospital for help. And right. a lot of employers, it's included in your benefits. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, absolutely. Well, speaking of help, what we're going to do is um, see if we're going to put you in the background and we will get a couple of commercials out of the way. So don't go anywhere. This is the Truth Serum with your host, Simply Bree and Tasha. And <laughs> we will be right back, guys. Are you a first time home buyer and you're not sure where to begin? Maybe you're a homeowner and you're considering an upgrade? Whatever your situation may be, Natisha Dawes of Virtual Properties Realty is your real estate agent. With years of experience, Natisha understands her clients and takes pleasure in assisting each of them, regardless of how large or small their needs may be. She specializes in finding programs for first-time homebuyers and saving as much money as possible with sellers, all within impressive turnaround times. Reach out to Natisha Dawes and let her get the ball rolling today. 770-731-9485. The purpose of Girls Who Brunch Tour, a 501c3, is to cultivate, inspire, and empower at-risk girls between the ages of 9 to 17 years old. Today, girls are very impressionable. This demographic of girls is being exposed to bullying, human trafficking, self-esteem issues, and underestimation of self-worth. Through Girls Who Brunch, we provide vital tools needed through literacy, education, life skills, and health and wellness to help girls become leaders and difference makers in their communities. For more information on how you can become an ambassador, attend one of our virtual at-home 21 city experiences, or donate to the organization. Visit www.girlswhobrunchtour.com now. All right. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This welcome. is the True Serum, and I am your host, Simply Bree, and I got who? Tasha, tonight's topic <laughs> is coping with death and how to deal with it. If you are interested in leaving us a comment or even engaging in conversation with us, you can go to simplybree.com, click on shows, truth serum. There's a chat box there, or you can just send us a direct message, or you can call in. The number is 515-602-9647. Now, our next guest is here, the one and only Dr. Tamara Turner. Welcome to the yeah. show. Thank you. Hello, ladies. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. You guys are really bringing up a really important topic. Yes. Thank you. It's a scary yes, topic, but it's a good one. Very Thank scary. You. Exactly. <sighs> so We appreciate mm. you being here. Oh my goodness, yes. And and please at the end of the show let everyone know how they can reach out to you because there's a lot of people I'm sure that need help and they're afraid. They don't want to be judged. They don't even know what to right. expect. So I think at the right. end of this um show tonight they will see that you are definitely someone that they can call and speak to. So definitely let them know how they can reach out to you, okay? Right. Now 
my question, or Tasha, no, Tasha, it's Tasha's turn. Tasha, yes. you go first. It's, it's my turn, girl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gosh. All right, so to be on the serious side of things, Dr. Turner, um, I am personally in the grieving process. My grandmother passed in February. But since this whole coronavirus, COVID thing, I've had a lot of friends and um, friends' family to pass but they aren't seeking help. And I don't know what to tell them because I immediately started seeking help after my grandmother passed. And you can't force people, like you can't twist their arm, but I know that there has to be a pressure point that I could push to nudge them in the right direction, like, hey, this would be beneficial for you. Is there something that I could show them or tell them that would – help them like how could I explain that this would be helpful to them yeah um well I commend you for seeking help and knowing that you needed help a lot of people don't recognize that that asking for help is one of the hardest things that you can do it's one of the bravest things it's one of the most courageous things to do um so what I would say about your friends is they may still have some stigma attached to seeking help or some hurdles around it, um, one of the things that sometimes we don't recognize is that the black community often has additional hurdles to getting help, such as um, insurance they have or the financial burden that uh, getting mental health treatment might pose for them. And so mm-hmm. there may be some things that are um, that your friends okay. are not saying about their you know, financial status and their ability to get help. Um, And so what I would say to you is that I think it's actually really good that you have spoken out about the fact that you're seeking help. Because what that does is you're role modeling the fact that this is okay. You know, this is something that's helpful to me. And I think what it does is it actually puts other people who see you doing that in a place that when they're able to and when they're ready to, it actually makes them more likely to do so. You know, and I actually, I think, but I think you're touching on something that is very different about 2020 right now with COVID happening. Mm -hmm. What I've Mm -hmm. heard from a lot of people is that because of, because of the fact that we are social distancing, we're not actually Mm -hmm. able to get some of those natural resources that help with the grieving process, Mm -hmm. which is being around family and friends and sharing stories and having the presence of loved ones around you that understand what you're missing, you know, what you've lost. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, and just, you know, being in the same environment with food and family and friends and that comfort. Um, And so I would, yeah. And so for this, I would say for people who've lost loved ones in this year, it's actually harder right now to grieve because you don't have those things. Mm, and so true. I I think it's yeah I think it's a good thing that you're you're at least letting people know that there's there's other options for them. Okay. Well, thank you. Mm, very good way to mm-hmm. put that. Now, there are different causes of death, and some may actually be more traumatic than the others. So, what types of trauma might someone experience based on the type of death that one might have suffered. So like suicide versus homicide, um, you know, a stillborn death 
versus just aging? Like what type of traumatic um, experiences might someone have based on the different types of deaths? Well, I think you're touching on some of the things that might make a death, like losing somebody uh, more difficult. So mm-hmm. I would say if you witness the death, um, sometimes that can be more difficult. And what I mean by witness, like if it was a violent death or right. a violent accident, um, sometimes that can be more difficult because there can be the the memories of right. of what happened to your loved one and, and not, not wanting that to be your last memory of them. Um, or there can even be a sense that, you know, Mr. Verlack mentioned before, a sense that you, there could have been something that you did to save them, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if you were there as a witness to it. Um, and so some people even have traumas around um, not wanting to see the person, even if it's a natural death or like the person, like Mr. Burlack mentioned, lived a long life, there can mm-hmm. be um, feelings about having seen the person kind of decline, their health decline mm-hmm. over time, mm-hmm. you know, and a struggle not to re- be able to, like, remember them only in their most vibrant life, you know? Right. Um, and so that can make things complicated. But, you know, those are kind of, those are the, the situational factors. I would say that sometimes there's even emotional factors that can mm-hmm. make losing somebody very, very um, difficult. Like, a lot of people right. don't realize that when the relationship with the person is has is not just good, but it's, there's negative feelings or there's unresolved feelings or complex feelings about the person, it can actually be much harder to grieve their loss. And right. part right. of that is because, you know, like sometimes we have this hope that the, the relationship is going to improve, right. you know. Right. So if you imagine yeah. somebody who maybe didn't have a – positive relationship with a, a parent, for instance, and mm-hmm. the parent passes away before the relationship improves, then that can be even harder because we we don't realize it, but in the back of our minds, oftentimes we hold a hope that we'll have that parent that we always hoped that we would right. have. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I, what I wanted to um, find out, is I've I've been learning about coping mechanisms, and I find that, and I've done it, when people pass away, we keep replaying more of the negative memories or, I guess, negative memories in our head, which to me makes the grieving process longer. What are some coping mechanisms that we can do to replay, I would think, more of the positive memories mm-hmm. to help with with the passing. Because like you said, you may have seen the decline in health in someone, or you may have even seen them pass. So mm-hmm. you tend to replay those things in your head, like, oh, they got so sick, or they got so frail, or, you know, I don't want them to hurt, or whatever. But how do you change the, I guess, the voice in your head, the coping mechanism to change the voice in your head to bring in more positivity? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for some people, like, everybody copes and grieves in a different way. So there are some people who actually, you know, keep photo albums and keep videos and actually replay, like, some of those positive memories. 
you know, Mm -hmm. and um, that actually makes them happy, you know, and that actually makes them feel like, you know, they're remembering the good times with Mm -hmm. that person. And sometimes when you actually start to look at like all the pictures of the person or even hearing the stories, part of the reason that funerals can be really helpful is because you hear the stories of the person's life at different time periods of their life and often get to know that individual in a different way that maybe you never experienced them in that way, but you hear about them when they were 20 and then you hear another story about them when they were 50 and it's two different people who saw different sides of the same person. And that can be really, really, really healthy to, to see that this person lived a full life. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, there can be beauty in their life, regardless of how old they were when they passed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that can be a really, really healthy part of the grieving process. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. The influence of memories. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now what about situations where um, the experience of death is not directly related to you, but it occurs? Um, why is it important for someone like that to still seek some form of counseling? And when I'm saying, when I'm referring to um, like incidents, like you have the school shootings. So what about the school shootings that occur, but there's people who don't have children, but this event still occurred. How are they uh, impacted by it? Or, you know, the shooting that was in Orlando, it was the, the gay nightclub. You know, those who are not directly affected by it, but it still happened, how are they How are they impacted, and why is it important to still seek some type of counseling, even if you're not directly impacted? Right. I think that um, one of the things that sometimes we don't realize is we share, we have a collective history. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even though something doesn't happen to us directly, if it happens to people who... Um, we, you know, share community with um, or share a, like a life, a lifestyle with even, or mm-hmm. even somebody who we see ourselves in or, or feels relatable to us, right. then we can imagine it happening to us or imagine it happening to somebody that we love or care about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so that's what happens when we see things on the news. Um, it's that collective history and that collective mourning, that collective grief that we're really tapping into, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're all connected, you know, we're all connected. Right. And, yeah. and so that's the thing that we don't like human as humans, we're social beings. And so that's some of the, that's one of the things that we sometimes don't realize that when right. something happens to somebody else, uh, we can easily imagine it, it happening to us. And so it's really important mm-hmm. in those, in those situations to acknowledge that that's what's happening, you know, right. and that yeah. you, there's, there's a part of, of that person who, who it may have happened to that you, that you truly relate to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, what's scary is that um, the first thing I wanted to do when I started grieving is I wanted to go to my vice, like my vice is eating. And uh, I know why you shouldn't continue because of like harm, but what in it? In, what what is it in your mind that makes you go to the vice first? Is it because it's 
the the quickest soothing thing or, you know, and I think people really need to hear that they shouldn't stay on their vices longer and why they shouldn't <laughs> stay there. <laughs> yeah. So well, I, I wanted to know why it, people go there first. Yeah. It's kind of related to one of your earlier questions, too, where um, sometimes we, we have a lot of negative feelings and we don't know how to deal with the negative images or the negative feelings that we're having. And mm-hmm. so we go to something that we know solves that very quickly. And so, um, so you know, if if a drink, you know, is it, mm-hmm, then we might mm-hmm. go to, we might start drinking, you know. Right. Um, but the one thing I would say about grieving is that we have to remember that we're going to go to, through this process regardless. It's not something right. that we can avoid. And so yeah. what happens is when you go to the vices, you actually kind of stop the process. Mm-hmm. It's oh, not that you're getting, okay. you're still getting through it. You're just putting like a pause on it. So think of it like a movie. Mm-hmm. You don't know how long the movie is going to last. You don't know what the next scene is going to be like. You may have some good days. You may have some bad days. Um, right. But the truth, but the truth is, like when you put a pause on it, it's not that you're getting through the movie faster. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. and, and I never and so thought of it actually, that way. Yeah, it's that we actually have to start to allow ourselves to feel. Oh, okay. And recognize that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay mm-hmm. to feel mad. It's okay to be in denial. It's okay to feel all of those feelings. It's okay to be depressed. It's even okay. okay. A lot of people struggle with this, but it's even okay to have good days. Right. You know, okay. sometimes, sometimes people feel guilty when they have good days. Um, mm-hmm. But all of that is okay. And, um, and I think, but I think we're kind of socialized in America not to feel negative feelings. And right. so that's why we run to the vices. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Now oh, I have another really good question, but I'll hold it. You better it. hold it because I've been thinking about this. I'm a hold it, girl. I'm a <laughs> hold it. Hold it like you got a pee. Hold it. Um, yes, I'm hold it. <laughs> so because this network is broadcasted internationally, um, there are a lot of locations where death has desensitized the community. Death is just as uh, it's just as often happen as uh, is happening as frequently as living. So, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for those who have become desensitized to death such as those in the military who are trained to put emotions behind and keep up this this strong shell of a person what kind of advice would you have for those type of individuals yeah so i like when i hear you ask that question i hear almost um a numbness like mm-hmm. maybe that person is experiencing numbness and right. one of the things um that's interesting about the way that we're wired is that there are times where we have to just survive whatever mm-hmm. moment that we're in. So mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like the military, for instance, there's an element of um, numbness at times, which is actually uh, a survival instinct, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to think you're, you know, if you're in the middle of combat, you're not able to grieve in the middle of combat. That's not a safe right. place for you to do that. Right. right. Um, but right. when, but at other times, um, like when you're in the safety of your home you know, then you then you're actually able to grieve. The problem is kind of back to the previous question. 
sometimes we have developed coping skills like numbness that that we don't that we turn on whenever we feel a negative emotion, even though it's safe for us to feel our emotions. Right. And so, and so if we've had a history or pattern of becoming numb whenever we feel stress, then sometimes we'll turn that on, even though what we need to do in that moment is just to allow ourselves to feel to feel what we're feeling. Right. Right. And it's okay mm. to feel it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm. And it's okay. Like, I think one of the things that can be difficult um, is sometimes people don't even tell people that they've been through a loss. Right, I don't know if you right. guys have ever experienced this, but they'll, yes. they'll go to work and they'll act like everything is is the same, okay. and they're they're gonna they're gonna be able to perform and work at the same capacity, and nothing is different. Like they, you know, right. again, that kind of yeah. goes back to that denial stage that you guys were talking about before, right? Mm-hmm. But the right. problem with that is that when again when you do that, then you don't allow that space for people to actually comfort you and be there for you and listen to you and allow you time when you need to, you know, take time off work so that you can grieve or you can handle even like the business of death. A lot of people don't talk about the business of death at times um, and the things that kind of need to be done surrounding that. And, and so it's really important that you kind of part of that grieving process is even letting people know that you've had a loss Mm -hmm. so that they Mm -hmm. can kind of support you in that space. Right. Right. Yeah, because mm. um, even okay, so that that's why she's my sister. I love Brie because we, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. We kind of sometimes be on the same wavelength because mm-hmm. I'm um, I'm also talking. I'm I'm also going with numbness, a form of numbness. But in our society, men have been trained or programmed to be emotionless or mm-hmm. numb, like right and the one place that I would think this is not necessarily a question, but it could possibly turn into one. The one place I would think that a man could be emotional would be during a death. But I find that a lot of men, a lot of men are afraid to even show that part of them Mm -hmm. in public, like in front of someone. It's almost like they have to go and hide in the closet to cry or yell or be upset or have any of those grieving processes except for denial or or right. anger like they they can't even show depression so how can we as women oh sorry and that's the other part of it women have also been programmed to say they don't want their man to show those feelings or emotions because mm-hmm. i've seen it so what can we do as as women who are open to feelings and emotions and stuff like that, to allow our friends, our family, and our spouses that are men to be, be okay with expressing that emotion in front of me. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want you to, you know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, you know, oh, it's okay to cry. No, but you don't want to tell mm-hmm. a man that it's okay to cry because then they take that a totally different way. So... You know, how can you? It's it's hard because every individual grieves in a different way. And so um, that man would have to go through his own process of finding out that it's okay to cry, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, sometimes if we don't see that role modeled in other men in our lives, 
um, you know, being sad and crying, or even just the difference of there might be a different way you present yourself in public versus in private. In private right. might be the the safe place to cry, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard as as a support person to kind of get the an individual to that place. They have to figure right. it out on their own that this person right. is safe. She's okay when I cry. She's okay when I'm having a bad day. And so the one right. thing I would say is like when you show your support in even the small moments and become really sensitive to the small moments, it actually allows the person to kind of let you in more and more to the bigger moments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when you become sensitive to like maybe even somebody casting their eyes a little downward and you just kind of rub their back, that kind of gives them, Oh, she, she's paying attention. She's in tune with it. She's okay with this. And and then it allows them to get more and more comfortable kind of opening up about the bigger things. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. That's that's deep. That's definitely deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question, but I want to save this for the group because <laughs> I, I want to get um, both perspectives. But, okay, so um, Steve listed the steps on grieving um, what steps would you have, um, or what steps would you uh, inform us about when it comes to grieving? Are there any different steps that hasn't been mentioned? Because he said denial, anger, yeah. bargaining. Mm-hmm. D- depression and acceptance. Yes, he did a great job talking about those are Kubler-Ross's steps, five stages of mm-hmm. grief. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, David Kessler came out with a sixth stage um, mm-hmm. called Finding Meaning, Mm-hmm. And again, that sixth stage is that you know that can feel a little controversial, um, you know. But the truth is, like timing matters, right? So there's a point mm-hmm. where, as somebody goes through the different stages, they actually find ways to kind of honor their loved one. Or finding meaning can look differently to every person, but it could be something like starting a charity in their name, raising money mm-hmm. in their name. Um, it could be something like honoring them, like. Um, saying a, a special prayer for them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. at on holidays. It could be um, lighting a candle for them. And so that, that piece of finding meaning um, is very, very unique to each person. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it happens just over time, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the stages aren't linear. You kind of, you can go back and forth between them, right, you know, right. and – um, some people may never get to that stage of finding meaning, you know, right. but a lot of people, depending on where they are, can get their, um, they, you know, they can get there in their own time. Mm-hmm. Is finding mm-hmm. meaning like acceptance? It's, it's a stage after acceptance. It's a okay. stage after. after. So I, so yeah, so I, I, um, that I've seen that in my counseling experience, I've seen finding meaning look just, it's just widely it varies so widely for each person you know mm-hmm. so finding meaning for for one person and um could even be like oh this person taught me like losing this person taught me that life is happens fast and i mm-hmm. need to live every moment you know mm-hmm. and that could be a way of finding meaning okay. right okay <laughs> okay well 
we're going to take a quick break so we can go ahead and bring Steve on. I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is going to be really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Okay, so we're going to take like one commercial and we will be right back. Okay? <laughs> okay. This is the True Storms. I am your host, Simply Bree, and who? Tasha. Tasha. All right, we'll be right back, guys. Coming soon. Cheating. Creeping. Getting caught. The liar's dead. Cheating. A rude awakening. Written by Reed. How will you handle the truth? Pre-order your copies at jampublishing.net. All right, and we are back. This is the Truth Serum. I am your host, Simply Bree, and I got... Tasha. I was going to try to sing it at the same time, but I was like, no, we don't have time for that. <laughs> Tasha. No, we don't have time for that. <laughs> if you guys would love to chime in, the phone number is 515-602-9647. Make sure you press the number one. Option Let us know one. if you have something to say, and we will bring you up. Now, uh, we have both our guests, uh, Dr. Tamara Turner and Steve Burlack on the line. Welcome back. Welcome back. Dr. Turner, how are you this evening? Great listening to you. I'm good. Nice listening to you, too. You guys are awesome. You guys are really amazing people. I promise. You guys have helped me. Even if you don't know what I'm telling you now, you've helped me personally. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yes, and that's what it's all about. Listen, we're here to help the people. You know, open up some of these doors, bridge some of these gaps. So my question that I was holding on to, and I have experienced this personally, (laughs) you guys list these uh, different steps in grieving. I feel like I need to write a book and come up with a seventh (laughs) point because you guys don't mention confusion. There's also confusion. Because for me personally, when I lost my biological father, I was at work. I mean, they called me. They let me know he's in, you know, he, he's not going to make it. And, you know, I tried to keep them strong. And then I went back to my desk and I did my job. And then I got a call saying that he passed like a half an hour later. And I said, sorry to hear that. My condolences. And I went back to my desk. And I worked the rest of the day. And I literally sat there, and it wasn't even shock. It was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel because I didn't grow up with him in my life presently up until I was probably 25, and then it was off and on, off and on. So I couldn't feel anger. I couldn't feel uh, I, I couldn't feel denial, no shock, no guilt, no imp- like nothing. I didn't know how to feel. So 
for those people who are in the world of confusion and don't really know what they're supposed to be going through, what advice do you have for them? Who are you asking? <laughs> Both. Dr. Turner and Steve. We'll let Dr. Turner go first. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, so I would say I think, you know, I think confusion is an emotion. Um, it sounded like in that moment you were in the denial stage, like at work, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me, you know, is even wondering if like there was an element of loss from not being able to have that relationship that you might have wanted to have or would have been ideal at some point, you know. And mm-hmm. I think I would my my recommendation would be really for you to allow yourself to feel that confusion and feel any emotion that mm-hmm. you would have experienced at that time. There's really right. no wrong way to feel. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes we want it to be clear because we it's like a um, certainty is actually like we we crave certainty. We c- crave mm-hmm. predictability in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that may have been part of your distress that you, you know, it wasn't clear. Um, but those emotions become a little bit more clear over time if you kind of allow yourself to just kind of experience it. Right. right. Okay. And I, would just, I would just add that. Yeah, I would just add that. I, I was thinking denial also. But what was interesting to me is that clearly for you, the word confusion rings true, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fact that you use the word confusion really speaks to what Dr. Turner mentioned earlier, is that every single person goes through the process differently. And mm-hmm. so even though in my mind, denial is the word, in your mind, maybe confusion is what rings true for you. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would say that, and just like Dr. Turner said, you have to give yourself permission to feel that. It's okay. To, just because you call it confusion and somebody else might say denial, and it's, it's your process. And so right. it's okay to feel that. Understand that you're feeling it more than anything, right? Um, and... Um, it's okay. It's your it's your process, and everybody goes through it so differently. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks different mm-hmm. for each person. So for you, it was confusion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So I I am the lighthearted person or family member in the group, and I, I like to have humor in most things. So I'm gonna try to bring a little bit of humor in this situation as well. I would like for us to have a round table and Uh say or tell an embarrassing experience that you had with someone passing. I'll start first. Mm. I'll start first. Wow. I went to to a friend's funeral and I was, I was young. I was like 20 (laughs) And I went with them to the funeral, and I was too busy looking at a guy, and I tripped <gasps> over the flowers. Wow. And the wow. I did. I tripped and all of the flowers, all of the flowers kind of fell over, and I, everybody was looking at me, and all I could think was, I'm so glad I did not bump into the casket. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Wow. I was okay with the flowers, but I was so embarrassed. I kept replaying it in my head, like, okay, 
I would have bumped into the casket and that would have been all she wrote. <laughs> all she wrote. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to go ladies first again. Dr. <laughs> Turner, have you ever had any embarrassing moment that you've seen or been a part of? Oh, my goodness. That one's a hard one to top. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I cannot think of anything that would have been embarrassing, but what you're saying actually kind of highlights to me the fact that humor oftentimes is almost like a release for a yeah. lot of people. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I just imagine yeah. even that moment you probably gave some other people, like, this needed exhale. Yeah, yeah. All of the emotions. Because everybody was cracking up. Yeah, everybody was cracking up. They looked at my face. My face was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it's like the only thing that I can think of personally is just in trying to plan something like right after somebody passed, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like kind of a group of us. And in those moments, we were kind of rushing, rushing, rushing. You kind of feel compelled, like you have to get this done as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. And, Mm -hmm. and then like all of us were kind of looking at each other because hours had passed and we were starving, but nobody wanted to say it. Oh, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and until the like, started looking at the, you know, the chicken place across the street, and and then wow. we just went and we ate, and it was kind oh, of, okay. you know, it was, again, it yeah. felt like an exhale, like yeah, we're allowed yeah. to be human in this moment and right. connect in this way. Right, right. right. <laughs> I. I yeah, I, uh, say, I, I don't have anything. Um, you're going to go last, ma'am. Let's I don't see what Steve has to say. Everybody has something. I, I cannot be the only individual that has, like, a lot of <laughs> crazy situations. Like the old lady that came out of the restroom with her slips tucked into her skirt on the outside and her tissue oh, on her foot. Oh, like, I, no. I, that was at the funeral home. I, I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing to save my life. I went behind her like, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> mm. Mm. There's so many situations that I come to mind, so I can't be the only one. Steve? Tasha, I'm gonna have to step. I'm gonna have to step to the side here, and you pop the cake with that one. I really, I'm sitting here racking my brain trying to figure out: Do I have a story about somebody with tissue on their feet or bashing flowers to the floor? Like I, I'm not coming up with. There was nothing that I've experienced quite like that. That's really it's it's eye opening for me, but I've never experienced anything like that. Although it's, it's great hearing your stories, I will remember that for I will remember that um, for next time. I I have not experienced anything like that. That but yeah. your stories are hilarious. That, that was hilarious in the whole world. Yes, yes. You don't have one, Bree? Not one? I mean, my is like not appropriate, but it, it doesn't me. matter. So. Um, this person will remain, will remain nameless. It's not me. I promise you it's not me. I'm very transparent. Um, but I remember one day my grandmother came over to our house and she was sitting at the table in the kitchen and this person decided to go in her drawer and pull out a pink dildo and throw it 
into the kitchen oh. on the floor oh, at my grandmother's God. foot. And my grandmother is oh. chuckling, what the fuck is that? And she started kicking <laughs> it. And the person's like, don't kill Pinky, don't kill Pinky. I thought it was the funniest moment ever. My grandmother was wow. so, like, I couldn't tell she was upset or in, in awe, but it was right. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, right. that I yeah. never I definitely have no story to talk about. <laughs> yeah, my story is right. nothing compared to that. Something got an interesting family secret, right? Wow, that that is so like, true. You mad, Grandma? You mad? You mad? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. Ah, yeah. Tasha, I can't. I can't believe that was a really. Good I have a bunch of them. I really do. Though, though, yeah, I like stuff that brings humor, but that's just me. <laughs> Tasha comes through with that. So, because the both of you, you guys are so professional and you're so knowledgeable, like, are there any points in time <laughs> where you guys have a breakdown when it comes to death in the family or someone close? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's funny because, um, well, funny is probably the wrong word, but Dr. Turner spoke about this earlier. Um, I had a very complicated relationship with my mother, um, okay. um, in part because of my father. My father was killed when I was seven months old in Vietnam, so I never really, I never really got to know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason why my relationship was so complicated with my mother was because I reminded her so much of him. Mm. And so Nia say she actually just passed um, last year um, in mm-hmm. June. And so um, it was a very, it, it, even to this day, there's still parts of the ride I have not finished yet, right? There's still parts of the process um, I find myself still going through. I have, I've had some long talks with my sister, um, even as, as late as maybe a couple of months ago about, mm-hmm. um, I'm still going back and forth in, in this process uh, with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, um, wow. And so, yeah, so I, I would just say that it's, it's, it, can be, it can be exceedingly difficult and it can take quite a while, particularly when, re- when the relationship is, um, uh, is a difficult one. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I find myself going through a lot of different steps. And even though I talk about this stuff, even though I've written about it, um, part, part of the challenge of being the one who talks about these things is that you have to give yourself permission <laughs> to right, be human yeah. as well. Right? I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a robot, right? Just because I talk about these things or just because I, I'm conscious of the context in which we grieve, uh, it doesn't exempt me from going through the process. And it's funny, Dr. Turner mentioned that also. No matter what, you're going through the process, uh, yeah. period, and the story. And so that, you know, when it, and I'm telling you, as, as someone who's a thought leader who talks about things like this, um, part of that challenge can be giving myself permission uh, to make mistakes and be human as well. Yeah. Right. 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 Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think I think you said it well because I I feel like so I've also experienced grief, um, and I think <clears throat> that when I experienced it, I was thinking that I wouldn't 
be able to work with clients who were grieving. And Mm -hmm. I didn't actually Mm -hmm. find that to be the case Mm -hmm. um, with grief in particular. Now I found, Mm -hmm. I found it to be the case with other, other concerns that were like too close to home or things that I was dealing with or still coping with that I actually Mm -hmm. couldn't then hold somebody else's hand to, to walk them through Mm -hmm. that. Um, Right. And so, and so I think it's one of those things, again, kind of like to that whole point of everybody, I was kind of expecting that I couldn't take any grief clients, but mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was actually okay. And so it was kind of a reminder, those things that you kind of think have to be a part of your process sometimes aren't, and things that mm-hmm. you don't expect yeah. sometimes are. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, with my, with my grandmother, again, she passed the day before my birthday. And it took five years before I celebrated my birthday again. And we're talking, I was 17. So I'm talking, you know, even my 21st birthday. Like I had a lot of trouble um, celebrating it. Um, um, And so I sort of had a, a, it was almost, it wasn't a breakdown because I still never cried. It was almost like this slow burn. And it's funny when I look back on it, I think had I cried, maybe I would have gotten through the process um, maybe a little faster, but it was it was right. literally like a slow burn, um, and it was right. a breakdown that took five years uh, uh, for me to get over, and and that was right. just my process. It, it is what it is. It's okay. It was my process. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to find out when when people pass away, why do we call it dealing with death mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of like I don't know. The word dealing kind of just sticks a nerve. And let me just give my little precursor. We have, I, I can't make it a long thing. I, I, I would really like to hear or have you guys expound a long time on that. But um, because of our time frame, if you could just kind of give us a brief understanding of why we say dealing with death instead mm-hmm. of something well, else. Well for, well, for me, it speaks to the point I made earlier, it, just an understanding that I came to after some years that when you're, when you're coping with death, the grieving process for me, I've discovered was for me. It wasn't for the person that. And so I was the one who quote unquote was dealing with the death. The person who had passed on had already passed on. They, they're in mm-hmm. their next transition. I'm left here on earth dealing with it. And so for me, that's what it speaks to is just the fact that I'm grieving for myself. The person who has actually lost a loved one is in grief mm-hmm. for their own loss, not for the, right. not necessarily for the person who passed. Right. Thank you. Dr. Turner, anything to add? Mm, no, nothing's coming to mind um, regarding that. Like I think, I think Steve said it really, really well. Um, right. I think that's a great point that it's really about you, you know, and your, the things that you're lost, that you've lost in this, you know, right. and sometimes we don't realize that like when grandparents pass or parents pass, like we don't recognize sometimes that it's like, it's, it can be what they represented in addition mm-hmm. to who they are, you know? Right. So even that grieving process can be finding out what those things were that they represented for you. Um, right. It could be like your values, your traditions, your history. They could represent your memories, your childhood. You know, they could be the person who 
played the role of like bringing everybody together, like the glue mm-hmm. of the family, you know, right. the person right. who knew everything, your whole life story, you know, mm-hmm. and right. and so part of that is like there, there's a lot that we have to figure out that this person kind of meant to us, mm-hmm. you know, and how to like yeah. move on after they're no longer with us. Right. Okay. Well, thank you a lot. Yeah. I, I mean. Like I say again, you guys don't know how much you saying what you said has helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I'm still going through the grieving process. My grandmother passed in February, February the 1st to be exact. So mm-hmm. I'm still dealing with some stuff. She was very close to me. So with other people who may be going through a loss and things like that, I would really like them to have your information to know yeah. that there are resources out there, books, um, a website, uh, someone, a telephone number that they can call to talk to either one of you. So we did the ladies first, and I know we are supposed <laughs> to stay with ladies first, but I'm a tad bit untraditional. Un- <laughs> so, Steve, mm-hmm. if you can please go first, I would greatly appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. Um, if you wish to reach me, you can go to my website. It's steveburlack.com. One word, it's uh, S-T-E-V-E-B-E-R-L-A-C-K.com. Uh, if you wish to get the book, uh, Broadcast Your Inner Champion, which was the catalyst for my personal development series, you can go to the website and go to the tab, the book, and you'll find it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also would like to say I have a um, – I am launching an online program, which is uh, an extension of Broadcaster Inner Champion called Elevate Your Life. I'm mm. really, really excited about that. Um, and it's actually launching in a couple of months. And so if they're interested in finding out more, please go to thepowertoelevateyourlife.com, and you'll find a link to the website. Join the email list. You'll get the information about it. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, it, it's yeah. going to be a, a fantastic program. That sounds awesome. Nice. Yes. Yes. Okay. And Dr. Turner? So I can be reached. Um, I am a licensed psychologist in the Atlanta area. I have a profile on psychology today. So if you search for me under Tamara Turner, you'll find me in Atlanta. My oh, Instagram nice. is D. Turner. And so that's T-A-M-D is in David Turner. And um, if you call, you know, email or call me through those channels, then you can reach me. Okay. Nice. Great. Yes. Great, awesome. great. Awesome. Thank you both for being a guest tonight on such an important topic. We greatly appreciate you guys and welcome greatly, you back greatly. at any point in time to the show. Anytime. Please, anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. It's All right. Our pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So, Tasha. Right. Yes. Tasha, Tasha, Tasha. How do you feel? Yes. How do you feel about tonight's discussion? Did it? Does it make you feel more informed and more comfortable? It made me feel more comfortable, actually. Um, to know that it's okay for me to teeter totter, um, back through the different stages, um, because. What society tends to do is put a stigma on one specific thing, like you've been in this one thing too long, mm-hmm. I mean, but yet you don't want to take into account of 
the the relationship that you had with the person who's passed. So you may right. need to stay in that in that section just a little longer than some. But it's mm-hmm. okay, and that's what I gather that it it's okay for me to grieve and grieve the way that I grieve, and you know mm-hmm. not have any expectations from anyone else and and not allow anyone to put their expectations on me. Right. I um I definitely I'm glad that you you know that's that's what you gathered and the experience that you have from tonight. I too I feel like um I've learned that it is very important to seek um professional assistance uh counseling and not try to do it by yourself, not try to go through it by yourself because even if you don't want to talk to family or friends about what's going on or in how you feel, there's always the professionals that are out there who are, you know, trained to deal with your situation. So instead of dealing with it alone and possibly allowing it to fester, sometimes it's best just to get it out, you know, get it out of your system. Yeah. Uh, you feel yeah. better. So, you will. Well, in the end. Uh, yeah, this is it, guys. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram. My Instagram is underscore simply Bree. And I am no one you know, N O underscore one underscore U N O. All right. You guys go to simplybree.com. Check out the past episodes for all of our shows. Um, next week's topic is accepting and loving your flaws with our guests, Kia and Patrick. Uh, show starts at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so make sure you tune in. Monday is Simply Sports, and the topic of discussion is going to be, does African-American coaches have fair opportunities? Our special guest is going to be the grandson of Fritz Pollard. Is it Pollard or Pollard? I think it's Pollard. I think Pollard. It's Pollard. Pollard. Um, and Fritz's name is Stephen Towns. So if you don't know who Fritz Pollard is, he is the first African-American football player and coach. Make sure you guys tune in.